Hot cha 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 where's the season four? Are you ready for more, Sammy and Tessa? <laughs> I think that's going in the open. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. We are shaking things up. We are back in a new year. It is season four. Hello, conspirators. Y'all, welcome back. Welcome to 2020. I I mean, I never thought that this was a year that I was going to live to see. It's the roaring twenties, <laughs> y'all. It's the roar, it's the roaring twenties. If roaring. you're, you know, if yes. you're into like the emo scene like I used to be. So <laughs> <laughs> little e-girl, you Rar XD. No, e-girl is very different. That's I, very I recently true. learned what e-girls are. Yes. Oh, an education. <laughs> yeah. Like what okay. Just to make sure that I'm clear, because I am I am not up to date with the youths. Um, the youths. The youth youth culture. See, that's the thing about youth culture. I don't get it. But um so so correct me <laughs> oh if God. I'm wrong. What does that make us <laughs> old? <laughs> so okay. Would Billie Eilish be an e-girl? Like the way she dresses with like the baggy shirts and stuff like that, would that be? Would she be an e girl or do e girls oh usually I hate do like to the admit, pastels? I don't know. I just learned what Vasco girls are. I think Vasco girls is the ones that wear pastels and stuff like yes, that. Yes, and ha- carry the 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 hydro the flasks. flasks and sit on their balls all the time. Apparently, yes. yes I've learned what all of this is. Like, <laughs> actually, I learned it all because of, and that's why we drink. They were really confused about all of it as well. And I was like, I'm sitting there listening to Em and Christine talk about it. And I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And anybody who's <laughs> just finding this podcast has no idea what we're talking no. about either. So basically, Hi, okay. we've wasted your time for a few minutes. Yeah, <laughs> basically, it's like the new like Gen Z version of like Valley Girls and horse girls and all the yeah. like, you know, all the different like labels that we put on people back in the 90s. But these are the new like 2020 labels that we put on people, you know, you know, cause, cause what are people if not labeled? (laughs) Labels are for soup cans. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair though, labeling machines are really fun. Dude. Okay. So one of the first things I did as an adult was go out and buy a label maker. (laughs) I need one still. (laughs) I love my label maker. Like, okay. I have a really like heartfelt passion for office supplies in general. I love office supplies and organizations. Like don't even get me started on color coded tabs for binders, but like don't show Sammy a stapler. (laughs) Don't show Sammy a day planner. But, um, (laughs) I did, I went out and bought a label maker. And like the first thing that I did was I arranged all of my DVDs. And I know some of you kids may not know what DVDs are, but I arranged some of my DVD or all of my DVDs alphabetically. And then, by genre and I, I alphabetized the genre and I labeled each genre. So, you know, oh so they boy. were in little sections. So it was like action was the first, you know, um, or no. Yeah. Action was like the first and then animation and then comedy, you know, and it like, yeah, it's like a regular old blockbuster. Over I know. There. I, I know. It was, it was pretty great. Oh, and for the kids who don't know what blockbuster <laughs> is, we used to have these stores. Okay. We're getting like far into the blockbuster the was here. the store version of Netflix. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now that you've had a history of media, <laughs> this is conspiracies and cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. And we talk about conspiracies and cryptids. I usually cover conspiracies and I usually cover cryptids, but for season four, we're going to really turn things on their heads. Now, every so every previous season for our 10th episode, Tessa and I would swap topics and Tessa would cover a cryptid and I would cover a conspiracy. Well, episode. We did a swap episode. Well, this is going to be a whole swap a season. <laughs> yeah, swap a season since we didn't get to get to season or episode 10 last season. Yes. We were like, well, we don't get to swap. And yeah. we were both kind of writing ourselves into corners. So we feel like, yay, let's just switch a room. Let's have a little fun with this. Yeah, we so felt like I'm this would be a good way to like this season. Yeah. So we felt like this would be a good way to kind of like revitalize ourselves on on our normal topics. So when I go back to cryptids next season, I go back with fresh eyes. But also I'll probably be picking cryptids or conspiracies that Tessa might not normally talk about. 
and so, ditto about cryptids. So yeah. we're going to have some fun. We're excited. And we hope you guys are too. So Yay. All right. So to all start right, things so. out, we're going to shake a penny for our thoughts. That's how That's we decide we usually do. who gets to go first. Um, you picked first last time for Christmas. Yes. Um, can I go first this time for the new year? Yes. Okay. That's my my New Year's rare, roaring twenties. <laughs> Your uh, roaring gift resolution to you is to get to pick okay. heads or tails before I smack it down. Okay. Give it the old smack down. <laughs> I'm gonna pick heads. Heads. Of course you would. <laughs> it's it's tails. Okay. Oh. Go but for I'm it. But I'm gonna Tessa. go ahead and let you go first. Oh, you don't have to do that. Are you sure? I'm sure. Go you first. You always let me go. I know, but I okay. I went first a lot in previous That's seasons, true. so I That's don't true. mind whenever you get to go first. I get excited. Well, we'll start the new season with a cryptid, and we're gonna have a lot of uh, of. Uh, I, you know, I'm already paranoid about this one because I was looking at the pictures earlier, and I was like, Sammy didn't do this one already, did he? This is gonna be a season of Sammy didn't do this already. <laughs> do you Uh-oh. want me to? Do you want me to send you my my podcast list so you can see which ones we've talked about? That would be great. You probably should have done that <laughs> over the two weeks. Because you I, know, yeah, because I have a like a running list of every topic we've talked about. Well, perfect. Well. I should probably keep such a list. <laughs> anyway, so I I do keep the, the uh, blog notes and stuff though, on the blog that doesn't exist. The anymore. blog that doesn't exist anymore. That was like, God, that was season one. Yeah. Oh my God, that was a long time ago. Okay. Oh, days gone by. All right. So it's we're after the holidays, and adventure is ha- adventure has been calling my name a lot lately. And when I think of adventure, my mind always goes to hiking through unknown, uncharted territories, speaking with people in languages I've never heard and experiencing cultures I've never encountered. Mm -hmm. But the truth is I dislike bugs. That sounds wet. And I can make a (laughs) fool out of myself in any language. Fans of the pod already know this. Yes, this is very true. (laughs) (laughs) And But naturally the world would be an incredible place if we could all share like that, but without needing some kind of unbalanced exchange or needing control or to change another party of people. But alas, some exist that are so insecure they can go so far as to murder to make a moot point. But that's another <sighs> podcast entirely. And I'm also not talking about current events. I'm talking about the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, nobody <laughs> expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects it. <laughs> but my point is that we shouldn't we wouldn't have today's topic without explorers, adventurers, and the curious. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, European explorers ventured into the jungles of West Africa and found dozens of undiscovered features like the bongo and the okapi. Along with, uh, un- with confirmed species that do actually exist, they also brought back tales of bizarre beasts that they learned th- of through only uh, African legends or brief glimpses along the shores of steamy jungle rivers. So I some things like, we may have about. seen them, but just for a split second, it was gone. I know what you're talking about. I have not covered this. Yay! So. <laughs> but the one that really takes the cake and almost became an officially recognized new species is the Dinganek. Mm-hmm. Ding! Actually, no. Okay, I did not <gasps> know this, that you were going to... Okay, I thought Yay. you were going to go with something else. It's also known as the jungle walrus, and that's what sold me on doing this one, because I was like, it's a jungle, a jungle walrus. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I have not heard of this. In the jungle. I have not come across this in any of my research. It's so weird. I'm, okay, I'm intrigued. I have, like, I've not heard of this at all. Okay, so go. it may sound a little familiar because three animals are actually considered under the name Dinganek. The Dinganek itself, the Maasai Ol Umaina of the Alama River, and the Kikudo Nim- Oh my God, <laughs> Namathia of the Tana River. They have been regarded as uh, synonymous since the uh, since about 1913 due to their range and very similar appearances because they all show up in the same area. They're all described pretty similarly. Mm -hmm. They're like, these are probably all the same thing. Okay. I'm actually even going to be able to show you a picture right off the bat. Actually, I'm going to... Actually, yeah. These are artist renditions of what it looks like before I get into the the actual description of it. Ooh. See, it's like a little... It's like a kitty cat with horns. That's fancy looking... It's I very like strange. It. Okay, so let's get into it. So, yes. it uh, no specimens of the or carcass of or fossils of this thing have ever been found, uh, but it lives in the Majori River in Kenya, as well as Lake Nyanza, which was renamed Lake Victoria by explorer John Henning Speakey. 
It's the largest known lake in Africa with an area of over 26,000 square miles. So as with big lakes, we tend to put really fun things in them because we don't understand or we can't see it, you know. Yes. We like ghost stories. So although the local tribes living deep within the Congolese jungles had known about the creature for centuries, the Dinganek was mostly totally unknown to outsiders. Which makes sense because the lake it was allegedly found in wasn't even discovered by Europeans until 1858. And, you know, nothing really exists until the white people found it, right? Of course. Yes. I mean, as history apparently tells us. (laughs) If white people haven't discovered it, it does not exist yet. Exactly. (laughs) The name Dinganek comes from a local tribe, locally the Lumwa or the Wandorobo that were kind of nearby. They think that they, you know, they used it often enough to describe it that that was what they called it okay our primary source though for its description comes from big game hunter john alfred jordan as he regaled the 1907 tale to edgar beecher bronson in his 2010 memoir in closed territory bronson reports jordan said the following quote then there's the infernal horror of the reptilian bounder that comes up the majori river out of the lake uh, the lumbwa have christened dinganek it is and it's a real prize money that that beauty would fetch five or 10,000 quid at least. And you bet I've got my guides always on the lookout for when the majority is in flood. Cause apparently when the, the lake floods, it's like, it could it be go, anywhere. It comes out. Okay. Interesting. Bronson says Jordan claimed to see the beast along with his hunting party. Basically two other men who were not on vacation. I'm going to, that's the nice way to say that. Oh, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> He said that one member of the party claimed to have been uh, have seen the beast twice before, but Bronson expressed skepticism at that. Again, Bronson says Jordan said, and I quote, Presently, I heard the bush smashing and upraced my guide, wide-eyed and pale, with the yarn that had he had seen a frightful strange beast on the riverbank, which at sight of them had plunged into the river as they described it, some sort of cross between a sea serpent, a leopard, and a whale. Thinking they had gone crazy or were pulling my leg, I told them I'd believe them if they could show me, but not before. After hmm. a long discussion among themselves, they finally ventured, returning at a half hour to say it lay full length exposed in the water midstream. Holy saints, but he was a sight uh, 14 or 15 feet long, head big as that of a lioness, but shaped and marked like a leopard. Two long white fangs sticking down straight out of its upper jaw, back broad as a hippo, scaled like an armadillo, but covered, colored and marked like a leopard. And a broad, thin tail with slow, lazy swishes of which he was easily holding himself level in the swift current headed upstream. Gad, but he was such a hideous old haunter of a nightmare, was that beast fish that made you want an aeroplane to feel safe of him. For while he stay upstream of me, I had been brought down to the riverbank precisely where he had been had taken water. And there about me, I saw the soft and loam where the imprints of feet wide of diameter as a hippopotamus, but clawed like a reptile's feet, you would... Like a reptile's feet you knew would carry him ashore and claws you could bolly well sure no man could ever loose from once they had nipped him. Holy cow, that thing sounds scary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like a sea serpent, a leopard, and what, an alligator? Yes. That's... We will re-guess. Exactly. That is... Jordan also noted that its fangs appeared long enough to go clean through a man and described how he say they waited watching the creature a while. So he got a pretty good look at it, according to him. He was just he was like kind of waiting in the in the brush, staring at this thing like, what is that? I've never seen one of those. In time, (sighs) though, he featured that the creature might move and see him. So, you know, logically, he shot it. Of course. He fired a 30 out rifle. Bo- <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> European. Oh, well, so that's actually surprising. That, that's actually Well, actually, it would have been in the 1800s. So it was just, yeah, it was like, during that. Usually it's just anytime somebody's like, when in doubt, shoot it, that usually tends to be an American. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he fired a 30 out rifle behind its leopard ear, uh, which, at which the beast sprang up out of the water and Jordan and his team ran off in terror. They were like, oh God, we anchored it because you, you know, you shot it behind we, the ear. We like, poked the bear and it got mad. What? Yeah. <laughs> and here's, here's an artist's rendition of that encounter. We'll also post this. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's accurate. I'll post it looks this to our like Instagram. A ticked off Godzilla. <laughs> exactly. It looks like a ticked off Godzilla. <laughs> But if you think this is just two big game hunting buddies exchanging stories of a good old time never had, Bronson spoke with Jordan's hunting party and the group of that was the group of native guides, the mm-hmm. people not on vacation, uh, through a translator and asked them about what happened. And they gave nearly identical accounts of the animal. They said they're like, yeah, that happened. So, OK, so they've got multiple which, p- sources. Exactly. Let's recap, though. Uh, So it looks like a cross between a sea serpent, a leopard and a whale. It's about 14 or 15 feet long. Uh, It's got a head similar in shape to markings of that of a leopard, but the size of a lioness's head. Okay. There's two long white fangs protruding downward from the upper jaw like a saber tooth. Its back's broad like a hippo. And it's scaled like an armadillo, which actually, this was kind of interesting. So he describes an armadillo, which is Tech, well, he says armadillo, which is actually technically a Western animal. Mm-hmm. And it's or a New World animal, technically. Right, right. Which modern uh, reconstructions of the description, though, have assumed that he meant actually more of a pangolin. So there were like yeah. more scales than the actual like armadillo look because I found this wonderful another artist uh, rendition of what the description would actually look like. <laughs> Oh, oh God. <laughs> it looks if, like a slinky in the middle. Ex- yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. A leopard slinky. Like a leopard. Like a, a saggy s- neck. A slinky toothed leopard. Exactly. It's very strange. Now I don't so, know if I should go with a ticked off Godzilla or a slinky toothed leopard. Exactly. Those well, are- so according to the way the, tra- the way the translation kind of. The way it moves on uh-huh. toward like today and stuff, they basically say that he was actually talking about a pangolin, so it yeah. had more like scales on it. Yeah, pangolins um, are really—they're so cute. Have they you are, ever? They're, they're so just cute. little adorable things with the they little look like, like little super villains. Yeah, they got the little like hands. They're pressing their like their fingers together. They're cute. So cute. I love them. So, but the dingonek though also has a long tail for aquatic propulsion, which is broad and finned. Mm-hmm. It leaves prints on the shore as wide as a hippo's, but with reptilian claw marks. It lives in aquatic nests, and it's territorial. Okay. It's said to also be a carnivore that can choose to hunt or devour nearly whatever it wants, save for elephants. Don't know where they got that, but apparently that's according to local legend. Uh, they also cited that the tusks were being used as weapons to fight large bull hippos. That That's what the saber-tooth tusks were for. Okay. Some artist renditions of this also include a single horn and a stinger tail uh, at the end. Neither, though, of which have any reason to be there according to the original story in the memoir. So they tend to add this like little barbed scorpion tail at the end uh, with a pointed stinger, mm-hmm. like kind of like a scorpion. But uh, um, that wasn't in Jordan's original account. So they're okay. kind of like, mm, this is kind of the majority of where uh, this story comes from. But in gotcha. 1918, an article was published in McLean's, and it declared the beast a uh, newly discovered animal species. That mm. article mentioned one of the pioneers of Africa, Mr. James Martin, who was at the time, uh, a, or at one time, the aide-de-camp to General Matthews, and was one of the first four white men to lay eyes on Lake Victoria, or the lake where the Diganek allegedly lives. He asserted that the animal had been there in the lake for many years. Mr. Martin had also retold another tale to Bronson of the creature, saying that the natives worshipped the strange monster, monster, believing that its coming was a harbinger of nearby crops and an increase of flocks and herds. So they were like, if this thing's nearby, we're doing good. We really like this thing. Okay. Don't bother it. So it was a good omen. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. But African naturalist Mr. G.W. Hobley, who was at the time senior deputy commissioner, uh, was living with Mr. Bronson at the time. Uh, he said that certain tribes living on the north shore of the lake, the Baganda, the Wasoga, and the Kavarondo, uh, occasionally burned offerings of cattle and sheep for a huge reptile of dreadful appearance living in the lake, which they hmm. called the Laquata. Hobley's description of the monster matched the Dinganek, making them one and the same. But the Baganda, the Wasoga, and the Kavarondo tribes firmly believed that the white man, or as they called him, the Bozungo, had killed the Ulaquata, making the natives victims to the dreading sleeping sickness plague. They believed that the destruction of the animal would bring them bad luck, and about this period, around 1905, the ravages of sleeping sickness were severe in that area. Oh, boy. 
So it could also match up with just the appearance of the white man in certain areas that we brought well, a lot of we really a nasty lot stuff of with us. Diseases with us. A lot of nasty stuff. We yeah, we were chock full of nasty diseases. Our European blood ancestors. Darn you guys. Well, and I mean the thing is though is like we didn't mess. have customs back then. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like customs facilities. Mm-hmm. We didn't really, exactly. you know, know a lot about disease transmission. You know, plus um, there was a lot of like just assumption that, hey, we're we have an immunity to it. Mm-hmm. So everybody must have an immunity to it. And that's clearly not the case, you know. So it was a lot of it was just simple lack of education that they were they didn't even know they were bringing these diseases over to these people who have built up immunities to other things, probably like at least where we're talking about malaria, things like that, you know, they've got some, you know, antibodies to that, but they don't have antibodies to like chicken pox, you know, or something that's common in Europe, you know, so we're bringing over these nasty diseases that they're not ready for. And yeah, it probably to them, at least for these like secluded cultures, it, it appeared to be you know, the gods angered, like angry at them. Exactly. Somebody killed stuff. the the thing that was helping us out here. Yeah. So, yeah. but aside from uh, that account from Bronson and Jordan was followed up by, by an article published in 1913 in the East Africa Natural History Society by Charles William Hobley, who I mentioned, C.W. Right, Hobley, yeah. in which he claims to have encountered further accounts of similarly described uh, creatures. A man was uh, claimed to have seen one in Lake Nyanza that attempted to seize a man on the prow of his boat. He also just only described it as having a dark roundish head. So this guy was like kind of standing near the bow. He's kind of his little tugboat Mm -hmm. in the lake. All of a sudden this thing like tries to swipe him off of the the bow and then like everybody scrambled to help him and stuff. I think he just fell. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's very possible. Just didn't want to admit it. Yeah. That yes, maybe another man (laughs) also swears he saw a dinganek when the Mara river was flooded. The eyewitness said that he saw a creature floating down the river on a big log and it had its tail in the water, but it was about 16 feet long. He could tell allegedly it had scales and spots like a leopard and a head like an otter, but no long fangs. And when he shot at it, Stop it doing dipped that. off into the water. <laughs> Once again, oh, I shot at it and it ran I shot away. Shot at it. What? Stop shooting at stuff, Stop guys. Shooting. Come Just, on. Oh my god. Just because you don't know what it is doesn't mean you shoot. Shoot first and ask questions later. Come on. Oh my god. There's also some rock art in a cave in Brockfontein Ridge in South Africa, and it has been it is claimed to depict a walrus-like dingonek, but the location is pretty far from where the dingonek allegedly lived. So they're like, ah, eh, if anybody traveled that far, they lived a really long time to go paint that on there. If I mean, they could have had the lay of the land at the time that that I mean, or the animal could have migrated over exactly. the centuries. You know? Exactly. So let's talk about some pop- possible solutions for this thing. Mm-hmm. In 1913, after the publication of Jordan's sighting, the district commissioner of Kissy, a Mr. Crampton, always Mr. Crampton, <laughs> he made inquiries about the animal uh, to Maasai of the Mala River and discovered that they knew it under the name Ol Umaina, like I mentioned earlier. They described mm-hmm. it as 15 feet long with a head like a dog, small ears marked somewhat after the fashion of a puff adder, which is a venomous snake. I right. Googled it. Okay. Uh, claw, he had also has claws, short legs, and a short neck, and it's said to sunbathe in the uh, sun by the riverside, but uh, slips into the water when disturbed. So mm-hmm. it just bloop. Just bloop. In... 1978, when James Powell was investigating the Olamina, he was told it was an aquatic animal with hair-based scales about six feet long with a tail and a long, soft, and flexible mouth like an elephant's trunk. What? That sounds like a Dr. <laughs> Seuss creature. Right? It sounds like, but like what, uh, Bing Bong? It does oh kind of sound like candy. Bing Bong. <laughs> Who's a friend that likes to play It gets Bing worse, Bong. though. Okay. Apparently... His informants identified it with a picture of a T-Rex when Powell showed it to them. They're like, yep, that's the guy. Though the description obviously looks nothing like it. He's like, uh, um, so they described this, this hair-based scale, six feet long, long tail, long, soft and flexible mouth like an elephant's trunk. Shows him a picture of a T-Rex. Is it this guy? And he's like, that's the guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, Mm-mm, I don't think so. Uh. 
This is... So that's apparently one solution. It could be a T-Rex. <laughs> it's a T-Rex. Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. man. <laughs> However, though, the description actually compared better to the giant pangolin, which has scales, a long snout, and a long tail, and is known to swim. And they're pretty rare animals uh, confused for something much bigger. So there are giant guys i'm gonna show yes. you a picture of a penguin yeah. they're so cute they are so cute they're i want so one cute. they're like they're like if you took like the cute parts of an anteater and mixed it with the cute parts of like an aardvark and an armadillo exactly they're, they're adorable they're so cute okay so it could also be a nile monitor lizard those could apparently get pretty big like a you know you never know how big the fishbowl is mm-hmm. uh it could yeah. be a hippo it could be a crocodile eating something. Mm, okay. I mean, we don't know what kind of um, fun stuff our Mr. Uh, um, Mr. Jordan got into right. before he stared for several minutes before shooting <laughs> At a beast ear. in front of him. <laughs> Just true. Blown true. away by this. Yeah. Uh, it's also been classified as something called a water lion. It could also be a cousin of that. Water lions uh, may be aquatic living saber tooth cats and are, were reported from West and Central Africa. But the closest established water lion, the Maorji River, uh, is the jungle walrus. <laughs> so their okay. water lions were known for killing but not eating hippos. So water lions like, are another cryptid, though, aren't they? Yes. Yes, okay. they are. So it could just be a water lion. If so you it's believe either, in such. So it's either this one cryptid. Or this it's one, another cryptid. Or this other cryptid. So it's a cryptid, <laughs> a, a misidentified normal creature, or maybe a different cryptid. The biggest barrier, though, to that answer is the report of scales. Um, yeah. Aside from the cryptid thing. Um, <laughs> however, some reports say Jordan believed he may have been mistaken by sun reflecting off of fur, which appeared as scales. Like I said, it could have been a crocodile eating something. Right. Right. It, it could have been a lot of things. Yeah. It's also co- often compared to the, the Luquata. As I mentioned before, uh, there are a few conflicting descriptions of this guy, but it's often described with a long neck and a small head. Uh, it has a booming roar that can be heard for miles and its only natural enemy is the crocodile, which it can sometimes be seen fighting during the fights. It loses bone fragments, which are collected and prized as charms, which is basically another cryptid. Okay. uh, I feel like another one of their natural predators at this point is white men with guns. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It could also be a hoax. Obviously they are a bunch of, uh, a bunch of guys sitting around the fire telling stories at the time though. Jordan's story was regarded as a traveler's tale or a made up story because Jordan was specifically known to be a really good storyteller. However, Hobley was convinced of his sincerity after hearing about the second sighting. Another historian also rejected the idea of a hoax because of the consistency of Jordan's story over more than 20 years and the inconsistency of his story. Okay. This guy has basically his, his, his reasoning for believing Jordan was that if Jordan's story stayed the same and it was the same script for 20 years, he wouldn't believe him. But the fact that he changes the story and adds things and moves it around and stuff and, and is such a good storyteller, he's more apt to believe him. Otherwise it's like like the important elements are the same for 20 years, but like other details, like minor details change here and there. And that kind of proves that it's a little bit more accurate. Exactly, exactly. So the the core details are there, but the other stuff changes. Right. Uh, Also, celebrated ichthyologist Louis Agassiz once said, the possibilities of existence run so deeply into the extravagant that there is scarcely any conception too extraordinary for nature to realize. In a nutshell saying, I mean, have you seen nature? True. There's some weird stuff out there. There's some, I mean, geez, there is some bizarre stuff out there. Once again, just... We've talked about it before, but the duck-billed platypus. Yep. That yep. thing looks like a cryptid. It was yep. a cryptid at one point in time because it just seems so weird and out yeah. there. So it's like, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of how I feel with any of these cryptids is it's like, yeah, they're bizarre and weird, but I mean, anything's possible. weird stuff out there. Exactly. You know? Even if this thing is... Real or not, it was last seen in 1907, and if it was that rare and real, it may already be extinct. True. So that concludes True. the Dinganek. I I like it. I learned something new. I literally had never heard of that 
Um, I hadn't either. I was really scrambling. I was like, oh, I wonder what, if I, what I could research. And then I already found my one for for next in two weeks, guys. That's even okay. better. I'm excited. Yay. I'm excited. All right. Okay. So it's time for us to go take a break. And when we get back, Sammy's going to give us a, cri- a conspiracy. I can not get used to that. It's like, guys, that's like writing 2019 on the date. Yeah, this is oh. our version of writing 2019 instead of 2020. We're going to oh. be, it's going to take a few episodes before we start like remembering that i'm not covering cryptids this season (laughs) well i'm gonna go in a corner for a second we'll be right back hey conspirators it's sammy so you guys obviously like the podcast that's why you're here that's why you keep coming back but do you also like things like stickers mugs and posters well if you do we actually have a very small merch store that we've only really talked about like a small handful of times so if you'd like merch to include stickers mugs and posters with our logo and various artwork on them that's designed by myself, Tessa, and some of our friends, you can head over to society6.com slash cryptipod and you can find all of our merch there. So once again, the link for that is society 6 that's the number six, not spelled out. So it's society and then the number six dot com slash cryptipod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-P-O-D. We hope you'll check it out. And don't forget, Big Brother is watching. Okay, so we are back and I'm going to talk about a conspiracy theory. We're back and um, I thought about what I did. Have you... Did you have a good time in time out? Did you I reflected? Did you reflect on your your the error of your ways? I did. I did. <laughs> please, please regale me with your conspiracy. Okay. All right. So since the beginning of this podcast, I've constantly jumped to the conclusion of one specific conspiracy. Like basically anytime you would talk about a conspiracy, I would immediately jump to the to this conspiracy as my guess for what you were talking about. Mm. And it's because I find this conspiracy and well, like I find this thing and the conspiracy surrounding it bizarrely fascinating. So um, you have yet to cover them. And since we're doing this swap a season, I've decided I'm going to talk about it myself. I'm going to talk about the Rothschild family. Yay! Yay! I, I've heard this name for years as far as like conspiracy theories go. And it's always just been bizarrely fascinating to me. And I just, I don't know. I didn't know a lot about it. So well, it's awesome. like, I was always kind of just waiting for you to cover it and teach mm-hmm. me about the Rothschilds. And you never did. So I was like, you know what? Great. I'm going to do it. Educate me. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So we're going to start off with like a who are they? So we're going to get into a little bit of history. Um, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to go too deep, but we do need some history of who they are. So we understand why there's conspiracy around them. Mm-hmm. The Rothschilds are a Jewish family from Germany with the earliest known use of the surname belonging to Isaac Elchanan Rothschild, who was born in 1577. The name Rothschild comes from the German Zum Rothen Schild, or at the Red Shield, which is in reference to the family house. So back in those times, houses, they weren't identified by house numbers. Like, for example, my house number is 6600. Mm-hmm. Back then, they were referred to by symbols and colors. So their symbol was a shield and their color was red. Interesting. So they were the house of the red shield. Interesting. Yes. And that's what Rothschild means. Red shield. Oh. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm already learning. I'm very excited about this. I thought that was fascinating. I had no idea. So, um... Anyway, the first Rothschild we actually need to focus on, though, is Meyer Amschel Rothschild, who was born in the ghetto of Frankfurt, Germany in 1744. And he's the founder of the Rothschild banking dynasty. Mm. So um, due to extremely anti-Semitic laws at the time in Europe, uh, Jews weren't allowed to own property, which meant that they had to get jobs in the financial industry where all of their assets were liquid. Mm. You know, so they they weren't extremely racist and anti-Semitic, but yeah, Yeah. they weren't allowed to own homes they could rent, you know, and and they, you know, like, but they couldn't be landowners or so they had to 
if they wanted to own anything, it had to be liquidate or liquidated assets. Um, so, but however, this worked to the Jews' advantage because, uh, according to the Catholic Church rules at the time, Christians were discouraged from collecting interest on money from other Christians. It wasn't against the law, but it was frowned upon. Mm. So, you know, so if you were if you were a Christian and your banker was also a Christian, uh, they weren't allowed to collect interest on your debts, or at least it was discouraged. Um, but this law didn't apply to the Jews. So huh. they often made more money interesting. by charging interest when, you know, Christians couldn't do it to each other. Oh. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. <clears throat> um, so at the ripe old age of 13, Meyer took on an apprenticeship at the bank bank firm of Simon Wolf Oppenheimer, where he learned about foreign trade and currency exchange before returning to Frankfurt six years later at the age of 19. Uh, back in Frankfurt, he became a dealer and trader in rare coins. So he he basically started a business where he dealt and traded in rare coins, but it wasn't it wasn't like a brick and mortar business because once again he couldn't own property. I mean, he might have ran it out of like a rental property or something, but that was his business was trading rare coins. Um, and he soon gained the attention and patronage of Crown Prince Willem of Hesse, which in turn earned him the title of court factor. So he got so good at dealing in these rare coins that he actually caught the attention of the crown prince Hmm. and that brought him like more business. Um, So his business continued to grow and gain notoriety after Willem became landgrave over Hesse Castle. Um, And a landgrave is, uh, it's, it's basically like a landlord, Mm -hmm. I I think is what I Mm -hmm. remember reading. Um, So, um, Rothschild was placed in charge of handling the payments from Britain for the hiring of Hessian mercenaries during the French Revolution. So basically, because he and Crown Prince Willem became such good friends when Willem finally like ascended to this higher position, he hired Rothschild to handle finances, like mm. war finances. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And he also handled the finances of importing goods in circumvention of Napoleon's continental blockade. So he was making money hand over foot at this point. So, um, and then I, I swear this is the last bit of history class, but um, four of Meyer's five sons were sent to other countries to start new branches of the Rothschild Bank, with his eldest son, Amschel, staying in Frankfurt to run the flagship branch. Oh. So, <clears throat> so the oldest ran the flagship. Salomon, his second born, went to Vienna. Mm-hmm. Nathan, the third, went to London. Mm-hmm. Kalman the fourth went to Naples and uh, Jacob or Jacob the youngest went to Paris and thus the Rothschild dynasty was born. Interesting. So large banking family and he was just a very business minded person. Yeah. You know very yeah. very good with money. Just a great um, entrepreneur. Yeah. Yes very great entrepreneurial skills and yeah like once his bank got good enough he paid for his sons to go start new branches mm-hmm. around Europe. So um, so now we're going to get into the conspiracies. So due to the family being extremely wealthy and prominent in history, conspiracies have been spread about them for literally almost th- well oh, two centuries, almost three. Um, but we're just going to focus on four main ones. And then I'll, at the end, I'll touch on some of the other ones just very lightly. So, uh, one of the biggest conspiracies about the Rothschild family is that they own 80% of the world's wealth with a net worth of $500 trillion. Whoa. So now I'm, I'm going to cover conspiracies a bit different than you did. I'm going to mm-hmm. kind of debunk them as well. Okay. At least for this one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the Rothschild family is extremely wealthy. There's no doubt about that. Um, in fact, they're the reason we have the anti-Semitic stereotypes that Jews are bankers and control the world's money. You know, like that all stems from them. And I'll get into that in a bit. Um, The conspiracy has been popular for years, though, that they have this much money. um, And it's most recently resurged via memes shared on Facebook and other social media that talks about how they own every central bank in the world and that they have the money to feed, clothe and settle every single person on the planet. (laughs) However, according to the Credit Suisse, S-U-I-S-S-E, Credit Suisse Research Whatever. Credit Suisse in uh, 
According to the Credit Suisse Research Institute's annual Global Wealth Report in 2015, the entire planet's wealth is estimated to be $250 trillion, which is only half of what the Rothschilds are supposed to have. Wow. So they can't have yeah. $500 trillion no. if the entire planet only has $250 only has trillion. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, not to mention the only official Rothschild family business is the Rothschild Group, whose annual revenue as of 2015 was only $500 million. Mm -hmm. And the only Rothschild to make the 2015 Forbes list of billionaires was Benjamin de Rothschild, who has a net worth of $1.6 billion. Hmm. So basically their assets are spread uh -huh. out a bunch of a lot of other things, you know, yeah. like – other they're they're invested in other businesses. The only actual Rothschild business is the Rothschild Group. Mm -hmm. um, but their other wealth is invested in other things. But yeah, for the most no. part, they aren't billionaires. Mm -mm. You know. Um, now maybe if you liquidated all of their assets, yeah, they might be. But probably. for the most part, they aren't. Hmm. So um, the second conspiracy is that they are behind every war in modern history. Oh, so yeah. So due to the Rothschilds actually profiting during the Napoleonic War, which, like I said, was due to them um, controlling the money of Britain, hiring their country's mercenaries, mm -hmm. and them also being able to get around the blockade and do goods trading. That was how they made money. Um, it quickly became a common conspiracy that the family played both sides of every war from then on in order to continue to expand their vast wealth. Um the history behind this theory, uh, from what I can gather anyway, originates in 1864 with a political pamphlet that spread around Europe and was signed by Satan, quote unquote <laughs> Satan, sent out this pamphlet. Um, but it was actually penned by left-wing politician known as Georges Darnvael. Uh, in the pamphlet, he claimed that Nathan Rothschild had been a spectator on the battle or on the battlefield during the Battle of Waterloo, which was the final battle of the Napoleonic War. Mm -hmm. Um, and that as soon as he saw which side had won, he paid a hefty sum to race back to London before any news had reached the stock market and placed all his money on the winning side, making him rich beyond reason. Huh. So from that point on, rumors circulated every time a major war broke out that the mm -hmm. Rothschild family was playing the field to gain profit. Um, and now, granted, he wasn't anywhere near the battlefield. He was he was still in his home country and was not anywhere near this battlefield. But that was that was what the pamphlet said. And people believed it. I mean, oh, this pamphlet wow. was translated into like six or seven different languages wow. and made its way all across Europe that and really propaganda. besmirched the family yep. name. Yes. Yeah. Um, this theory even went as far as being endorsed by the Nazi party with a film called Die Rothschild being made as an anti-Semitic propaganda to further paint Jews as evil, satanically backed monsters who were out to steal your money. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. yeah I remember that from school. Yeah. So, and like this movie, Die Rothschild, uh, at the end of it, they have like a flaming star of David, you know, because they mm -hmm. were big on um, symbolism, you know, and mm -hmm. stuff like that to like brainwash people mm, with their symbolism. Course. So, yeah. but yeah, so th this conspiracy, like I said, most of these conspiracies really come from a place of anti-Semitism and, you know, racism against mm -hmm. Jewish people. Mm -hmm. So, um, the third conspiracy is that they're behind the new world order. Uh, so here's a conspiracy within a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. You talked about a cryptid within, within a, cryptid, a cryptid. So I'm going to ironically talk about a conspiracy within a conspiracy. So they're conspiracy nesting dolls. <laughs> conspiracy nesting dolls. <laughs> um, so I'm going to cover a very small amount about what the NWO is because it's a great topic for a different episode. But the New World Order is a theory that the wealthy elite of the planet are banding together to form a totalitarian one world government. Uh, this conspiracy theory in and of itself contains numerous other conspiracies to include the Illuminati, Freemasons, aliens, and also draws ties to the biblical book of Revelation. So literally, 
conspiracy nesting dolls. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They, you they, see why sometimes I don't cover some of these things. It's, it's like I end up in that corner. It's, it's like it's it could a be rabbit any one trail. of these things. It could be any one of them. But so anyway, one of the elite families that supposedly is part of the NWO is the Rothschilds due to their wealth, power and influence. Uh, some theorists point even to Trump nominating ex-top employee Wilbur Ross as the Secretary of Commerce. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the top employees of the Rothschild group, mm-hmm. um, or at oh. least used to be. Yeah. So they're saying that, you know, Trump, is, you know, is a puppet and mm-hmm. they got him to hire Wilbur Ross as the Secretary of Commerce. Um, however, in reality, the Rothschild wealth and power declined after World War I when the American stock market began to grow. Um, however, again, theorists believe that this was ultimately part of their plan so that they could in turn own the U.S. as well as Europe and ultimately take over the U.N., making everyone their puppets. So basically, mm-hmm. most theor- or a lot of conspiracy theorists believe that they built up the American stock market with their money. That's why it appeared their wealth went down after World War I, because they were putting their money into the U.S. stock market so that they could theoretically own the un hmm interesting it is it's very it's very interesting that's quite elaborate (laughs) it's it's out there it it really is out there (laughs) (laughs) he was an entrepreneur but um but you wonder like how how clever people really can be like if they can create i mean these theories just in well just conspiracy theories in general are very creative and imaginative i mean they like the reason that i i feel like conspiracies and cryptids go so hand in hand is because they are the pinnacles of american or not american human imagination you know run run wild you know it's like you know they're they're coming up with ways to explain the unexplainable ways to you know just make you sleep better at night or maybe make you not sleep better at night. Maybe ways to make you distrust your fellow man or distrust nature. It's just really, it's just unchecked human imagination, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just left to kind of run rampant. And, you know, especially with the invention of the internet, these, these, some of these conspiracy theories that weren't as well known have risen to prominence because now we're able to get those theories out to a wider audience. You are able to connect with people who believe these same things that you do and people are given a, a, a larger soapbox to stand on that they may have been brushed off, you know, 30, 40 years ago, but now they actually are able to kind of rally together a, a frighteningly large group of people to get behind them. I mean, just look at the resurgence of flat earthers we had what just yeah two three years ago yep yeah you know and i mean it's like for the last like two hundred two three hundred years actually more than that we've people laughed at flat earthers and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's made a resurgence and they've got an actual platform and, and people are like no you know what i think i might believe them and you're able to get all of these wackadoos together you know rejection of of what we've been taught and and it's you know the the use of conspiracies and and even cryptids to to manipulate and to uh to control um yeah especially in that case like it's like what is the point of like we'll we'll obviously do an episode on flat earth earthers and stuff eventually but uh you know it's yeah it's got what's what's the point of claiming the earth is flat <laughs> i mean you know I, rejecting some, well some people just i mean they, if you can't they, see it you know i mean some people probably just want to feel part of something bigger yeah. and yeah. it was a big movement for a time True. um and some people just some people are just rebellious people who want to rebel against anything that quote unquote the man says is fact you know so it's like i mean you know you look at climate change you know it, it's like people still consider that a conspiracy or there, there are conspiracy theorists that say that it's not real. You mm-hmm. know, let, let's, let's not say that there are people that are against climate there are change. They are they people are, who think it's are, not real. <laughs> they are conspiracy theorists who yeah. think it's not real. Yeah. It, it's a conspiracy theory that climate change isn't real. Yeah. So, you know, but it's like, it's that sort of thing, you know, where it's like, 
it, it gives us a chance to feel in control. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. we can come up with these conspiracy theories, it lets us feel control in control yeah. of an uncontrollable situation. Sure. You know, and the yeah. same thing goes with the cryptids. We can't explain what this bump in the night is. We can't explain why people are getting this horrible disease. Mm-hmm. So let's blame vampirism. Let's blame, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the 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 Sasquatch. You know, yeah. it, it's it's a way for us to give face to uh, something that may not have one and make us feel like we're more in control of a situation that terrifies us because we're not in control to fill it, in the blanks when we don't have the information yeah we don't have all the yeah. necessary information to make ourselves feel comfortable yeah absolutely yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's an illusion of control but that's mm-hmm. all it is is an illusion mm-hmm. so wow we got deep there for we a did. second <laughs> we did. um anyway so the f- still though like as far as wackadoo conspiracies go if with the Rothschilds, um, the fourth, and I saved it for last because of it, um, is that they control the weather. <laughs> so obviously this is my favorite theory on the list because it's the most outlandish. But uh, in 2011, Evelyn D- or the Evelyn de Rothschild branch of the family purchased Weather Central, which is an important weather forecaster. Um, in a nor- or in a news release for Business Wire, Evelyn stated that her reasoning behind the purchase was, as weather becomes more extreme around the planet with greater human and financial ramifications, we believe that Weather Central will play a major role in mitigating damage and improving lives. So, what was probably just meant as a simple or as simply the family wanting to create competition for the Weather Channel, mm-hmm. quickly devolved into conspiracies that the family was using Weather Central in order to research and develop weather manipulation and control technology, <laughs> furthering their hold on all of us as the world leaders by profiting from natural disasters that they started on purpose. Wow. So, yeah. So basically, this conspiracy theory is that they didn't just buy this for monetary gain. Well, they bought it for monetary gain, but they bought it so that they could create tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis to profit from, you know, insurance policies and stuff like that. People control the weather to do a little good in the world. Like, I mean, because doing good doesn't make money. (laughs) Why not? Unfortunately, unfortunately doing good doesn't doing good costs money. It doesn't make money. It's very unfortunate, but that's how capitalism work, works. Doing good doesn't Who make says money. says we have to play those rules? <laughs> I mean, I wish we... In a perfect society, we wouldn't have to play those rules. True. But for the most True. part, doing good doesn't make money. Just like covering good news doesn't make money. You know, covering... Yeah. You know, that's covering true. disaster makes money yeah. and gets views. Tell me about it. You know. <laughs> we um, could go down a whole nother rabbit yes, hole, guys. <laughs> yes, we could. Um, but I do want to take this time, though, here, like, real quick to kind of deviate from our topic. Um, and this has come up since I wrote this script, but I wanted to add it in. Um, since we're talking about, like, weather and and natural disasters, I do want to take a time to encourage people to donate to Australia mm-hmm. and the disaster relief funds there for the, the wild or the brush fires that they've got going on. Um, I'm going to try to do my part to make, I, I've got so much extra fabric and apparently they need a lot of like blankets and, and, uh, kangaroo Joey pouches and all sorts of stuff. And I'm going to try to make some of those and send those out Aww. because there's so much that I feel like we need to do to help out. Yeah. And if, if there's any way that you can possibly help out our listeners out there, please reach out and try to help them. They've got, it's a, it's a major disaster. Uh, like they, es- they estimate like what over 90,000 animals have died. Oh, I think it's up over 500. Uh, Is it over 500 million or something no. like that? Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, cr- it's an insane amount. It's, and it's, and, and also being from California and stuff and, and seeing my state exactly. burn so many times and, exactly. and how many lives lost here and stuff like, please, you know, do what you can. And, uh, even if that means just, you know, shipping out, uh, uh, if that means donating, if that means sending something, if it just means sending out some really good energy for the, uh, um, the firefighters out there and stuff like we, uh, everything we can get positive, positive. Yeah. Happy. Do something yeah. good for your neighbor today. Yeah. Cause I mean, doing good may not make money, but it's still a good thing to yeah. do. You know, what it, is money? Still, you can't eat with it. <laughs> money will always come back. Um, but doing the right thing, that's priceless, you know. So uh, do your part to do the right thing if you can. I mean, I, I understand that there's 
not everybody's able to, but you know, if you can do something and yeah. do what you can on our soapbox, but anyway, and on our soapbox, this is one of those soapboxes that I don't mind getting <laughs> exactly. on. I don't, I don't feel like anybody's going to be like, mm, I don't think they should talk about yeah. that. This is, this is our podcast. We do what we want. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to get into some other theories real okay. quick. Um, like I said, there's just numerous theories attributed to this family. Um, and they can trace their lineage back to the 1500s with their prominence in the 1700s. So they've got centuries and centuries worth of racist conspiracies built up around them. But I'm not going to get into all of them. But here's a list of some of the atrocities they apparently are responsible for. The assassination of Abraham Lincoln. The assassination of John F. Kennedy, which... Oh, boy, that's a conspiracy oh I would boy. love to talk about. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, the foundation of Israel. As, like, So Israel stopped being a country for a long time mm -hmm. and then re like only became a country again, what, within the last like 100 yeah. years? Yeah. You know, so the foundation of Israel, mm -hmm. something that they're attributed. Uh, the funding and um, assistance to ISIL, ISIS, and Daesh. Oh, God. Uh, bank rolling Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Ironically enough, the, the wow. anti-Semite Jew killer, they apparently funded him. Wow. Um, and inflicting financial distress on Asians. Oh, oh. I don't know what exactly that means. That's very but apparently they, non uh, it's very specific. It's, it's very, very vague, but apparently they make Asians financially distressed. Mm -hmm. Whatever that means. So in conclusion, a lot of these uh, conspiracies are simply just chalked up to 200 years worth of anti-Semitic rumors. Uh, the family is decent er, is definitely shrouded in mystery, though, with one woman who planned to write a book called Lies About the Rothschild. <sighs> she abandoned it, saying it was relatively easy to spot the lie, but it proved impossible to find out the truth. Oh. So the family is very secretive. Yeah. You know, they, they have done a very good job of keeping their secrets and, and keeping their family ties and family skeletons very well hidden. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to tell what the lies are. But when it comes to actually like figuring out who they are and what's going on, it's it's actually very hard. It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this woman abandoned writing the book because she was like, I can't I can't dig up any facts about them other than what we already know. Wow. Um, so are the Rothschilds evil dictators bent on world domination? Probably not. Likely but they not. are part of the wealth. Yeah, but they are part of the wealthy 1% we all dislike so much. And they are guilty of charging way too much for a bottle of their famous wine. <laughs> One bottle of their 2015 Chateau Lafitte Rothschild Poilac costs about $950 on Total Wine's website. Good God. And their, and their 2010 wine, so it's only 10-year-old wine, is going for almost $1,300. Holy cow. A bottle. Holy cow so now i mean granted that's not the most expensive wines in the world but usually that's a lot usually that's more than i can usually, afford well yeah obviously but i mean usually those like more expensive wines are for much older yeah but 2015 that's that's a five-year-old yeah. wine going for about a thousand dollars that's crazy you know a that bottle is which insane. is that that's nuts to me so are they evil dictators? No, but charging $1,000 for a five-year-old bottle of wine is criminal, if you ask me. <laughs> but apparently it's very good wine from what I've heard. Like everything I've read online said it was really good it wine. It better be for that price. It if better you complain, be for $1,000 a bottle. God, Jesus, Karen. <sighs> I, yeah. But so anyway, so that is that is the Rothschilds. Like I said, just I'm family shrouded in, in mystery and, and anti-Semitism, but... Interesting, nonetheless, and I, you know, I, I'm, I don't trust them, but <laughs> I don't think that they're necessarily as evil as yeah conspiracies yeah. make them out to be. A fair medium, so. a fair, a, a yes. pink in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Well, this was fun. This was fun. I am excited to do. I'm excited to do more conspiracies this season. Yay. It's it's a little bit more historical than the cryptids. Yeah, like, yeah. don't get me wrong, the cryptids definitely have the history, mm -hmm. but. That's for sure. The conspiracy yeah. theories have a lot more actual yes. grounding yes. in history. A lot of details. A lot of details. So I'm learning stuff. Yay. It's interesting. Well, awesome. So, well, we we should get to researching for our next topics. Yep. And but we will be back on February 1st yes. uh, for, you know, the second episode of season four. Mm -hmm. um, thank you guys once again for 
all that you do and, and all of your listening and downloads. We really appreciate it. Visit our Patreon um, if you can and donate if you can, because that keeps us uh, doing this because we can't do this without your help. But one of the biggest things that you guys could do to help um, is just to leave us a five star review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, we I know we mentioned it in our little outro, but it really is actually very helpful um you don't even have to write anything if you don't want to and if you want to write anything but you don't know what to write just write big brother is watching you know we're we're not looking for you know flowery words about how wonderful we are you know that that doesn't no i mean we appreciate it don't get us wrong but we're not asking for this so that we can you know have our ego stroked just the the five-star reviews help us get more listeners Mm -hmm. finding us and the 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 best thing a conspiracy theorist wants is other conspiracy exactly. theorists that believe what exactly. they believe. And you guys are already so, doing an amazing job. Amazing job. So please you keep are. it up. And, uh, yeah, ready? Don't forget. Big, Big brother, brother is, is watching. watching. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. Don't forget to check out our website, www.conspiracyscryptids.com for more episodes and other information. And if you're really enjoying what we're doing, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cryptipod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-P-O-D. There you can find different ways to support us and get some awesome goodies along the way. While you're at it, you can also find us on all of your favorite social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's any one of those at Cryptopod. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Leave us five stars and a nice little blurb about why you like us. It helps us to gain some traction and find some new listeners and while you're at it don't forget to tell your friends because our friends are your friends (laughs) and don't forget big Big brother Brother is watching. watching